On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Sidetracks, the unscripted and unruly series where we share with you what we've been watching and whether it's worth your time. And on this very special anniversary episode, we'll be your guides on the Evil Dead franchise before reviewing the newest installment, Evil Dead Rises. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. I was about to sneeze, but I didn't. I'm Katie. Hi, I'm Brittany, and it is that time of year for sneezing, so. <laughs> I know, I'm like, am I going to sneeze? Am I going to sneeze? Am I going to sneeze? Oh my gosh. Thinking of Evil Dead, which makes me think of blood, because there's like gratuitous amounts of blood in the Evil Dead <laughs> franchise. It's like, this is True. the time of year, like, you like blow your nose and there's blood in there, and you're just like, oh, lovely. Love it. Is my brain bleeding? Is this an episode of Grey's Anatomy? Or is it just that my sinuses are very dry? Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> what, what does the future hold? I'm so, so dark. Right, but so is the Evil Dead. And then it's not. So, yes. Um, this is kind of our part one of our anniversary episodes because it's been, it's our full, wait, four, three years. Three years, yeah. Third year anniversary but our fourth season. Yes. So, because that's how it happens when you start in the middle of the year. <laughs> so, yay! yay! Happy anniversary, Britt. Happy anniversary, Katie. It's a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a wild ride so far. Happy anniversary, Ryan, who's not here because it's a Sidetracks episode. Yay! And to everybody listening and all of our friends and guests who have been with us along the way. It's very exciting uh, to have... A third year of Grindhouse Girls. And yeah, and we, okay, so I feel a little stupid because I didn't know Bo was Afraid was going to come out the same weekend as Evil Dead Rises. But I was like, oh, like, let's do a whole Evil Dead's retrospective for the anniversary. That would be fun. And now I'm like, or we could have done Bo is Afraid because our first episode was on Hereditary and Midsummer. But you know what? We'll do it later. It'll be fine. Okay, here's the other half of that, though. It's okay. So, Evil Dead Rises, like, I literally have co-workers that are, like, gearing up to see Evil Dead Rises because it's, like, it's the franchise right? has been around since, like, 1981. So, it's, like, a bigger, like, uh, following. Yeah. Not many people, like, okay, so I don't know if you noticed this, Katie, so every theater in this area is playing Evil Dead Rise. Only two they is are. playing Bo is Afraid. Like I know, and I'm like, I hope that I get to see Bo is Afraid in theaters. Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm going to make the truck to see it just because I'm like, I have to, but I'm also very, yeah. very scared because as we talked before, I'm very ADHD and I'm a little, I'm, I'm not old, but it's like, I'm like a little old person trapped in a 33 year old's body because I'm like, Oh, three hours. My ass is hurting. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, but it, it'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. I, 
I luckily, so I just, uh, I was in the vagina monologues and that just closed. So I have a little bit of free time yeah. now. So I can actually go see movies on weeknights if I need to. So I may have to do that um, just to catch it in theaters mm-hmm. um, because I really want to see it because not only is it Ari Aster, but the cast looks amazing. It's not just Joaquin Phoenix. There's all kinds of people. Um, Holly from The Office is, I think, playing his mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, or maybe no, not no. his mother. She's just playing someone. Yeah, in it. she's playing slight spoilers. She's playing a pedestrian that hits him, and I think that's kind of shown in the trailer a little bit. But Patty Lapone oh. is playing his mother. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. I was like, she does not look like his mother. And it, but she, they aged her, which is why I was like. Well, it's so funny because they also play um, Goodbye Stranger in the trailer, which instantly made me think of Goodbye Toby. Like, Yes. Well, see, I have not watched the full trailer. Okay. Because I'm trying to stay as in the dark as I possibly can because that's how I feel I've enjoyed movies the most is when I don't know anything except, oh, that trailer looks interesting. Um, which I did watch, uh, okay, so really we're going to do a retrospective on the Evil Dead franchise, so everyone's caught up before Evil Dead Rises. However, I did watch some stuff. Do we want to get into it or do we want to wait until next side tracks? Um, it's whatever you prefer, because I've watched some things too, um, so I am good either way, so, um. Well, I guess let's get the non-Evil Dead stuff out of the way first because I know you and I both watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes. Oh, okay. So, slight spoiler alert, but I it took yeah. every urge not to text you during the podcast speech towards the end of the film. <laughs> it was really funny. Me and Taylor were it's like... It's really di- hard to get listeners. <laughs> Me and Taylor were dying because I was like, oh my god. I was like, I don't know if Katie's watched this yet, but I was like, I was like, oh my god, I could see me or Katie really this. <laughs> I mean, if we were pushed to bring... So, the thing with that movie is it's satirical mm-hmm. and self-aware, but at first, I wasn't sure, and I was watching with Scott. Scott wasn't sure if it was self-aware, and we were both kind of like, I think it's self-aware, is it? And then, at some point, something funny happened. Oh, they said something, it was like something where they were obviously poking fun at, like, you know, Gen Zers or something, or millennials or what do we call the youths that are younger than millennials now? I think it is Gen Zers is what they are because it's like early early 20s like 21-ish so yeah so and then I was like oh it's making fun of it okay and then I enjoyed the movie much better um, because it is not taking itself seriously but I think if you know that from day one you'll probably enjoy it more I, uh, you know, the ending, it was, like, <laughs> right before, like, I just, like, I had this feeling, I was like, Scott no. guessed it. Scott yeah. said, I bet this is what happened. That would be fucking hilarious. But he's like, that would be the best ending. And that's what happened. And he was like, yes. <laughs> so I, I was always, like, I always have this thing where Taylor, my husband can vouch, just like, I'll always guess the ending, like, two minutes before they reveal it. I was like, please, 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 please. I was like, son of a bitch. But it but was that like... that was a good ending. That was, was hilarious. Glor- it was glorious. It was glorious because it makes sense because something like that could be rooted in the real world and actually happen. Like, yes. you know, and that's what I love. It's like that sheer panic that drives the movie. 
Um, and and you're just like, why? And they keep making really bad decisions. And you're just like, why are you making this decision? It's like, because none of them are, like, prepared. Yeah. Because they're all spoiled rich kids. Except for the girlfriend. And the poor girlfriend is like, I'm just trying to, like, survive. And it's just, oh, my God. It was so funny. It was. Oh, my God. It was one of those it's movies. Really I didn't know if I was really going to like it. And then I was, like, very pleasantly surprised. I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought I would. And Taylor was the same way. We're just like, okay. Like, this was this was a good watch. And yes, once again, much better. going back to it, it's like, it's a short watch. It was only, like, 90 minutes of even that. So it wasn't yeah. a long movie either. Yeah, it was easy to get through. I just, like, I really wanted to watch it before this episode. Because I know you had watched it and it had just come on streaming. And I was like, yes. Also... Cocaine Bear is streaming on Peacock, yes. and I will check that out this next week, I think. I have not gotten to watch it yet, but if you didn't know, Cocaine Bear is streaming. I'm very excited because I missed it in theater, so. Yes, it, we watched it on Peacock, so that'll be something I'll wait to talk about with you once okay. you've seen it. So Because I'm excited about that. I just, <laughs> I had a show this weekend. <laughs> it was, we had really great audiences, and it was really nice, and um, I have a really, I had a really traumatic monologue. It's. Well, I, Brittany knows the model because she saw the play, but like, it's like, it starts out really funny and cute and then it just takes a hard left turn to like really graphic trauma. And <laughs> like, it was, it's really great when like the audience starts gasping or just says stuff like, oh no, oh my God. <laughs> it was great. But the last audience was fantastic. They were like, they were laughing with me every time I said a joke. Cause like some people aren't sure if they can laugh after like the trauma happens, but like the person telling the story is kind of a funny person and they want you to laugh with them. So it was like really nice. So it was really, if you don't know, it's the little coochie snorcher that could. It's one of the best. Oh, it's one of my favorite monologues I've ever done. Yeah. It is really traumatic though. It seems to really bother people. Yeah, there's a there's there's at least one <laughs> traumatic uh, moment in that monologue. I will well, say one really traumatic one, and then there's like an implied trauma. Yeah, right afterwards, and then there's something that happens that is definitely not okay. But that's not how the person saying it says it, it sees it. So like you have to play it. Like, you think it's fine, but, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, this is not fine. Um, but that's not how you can play it um, in the moment. It's interesting. It's great. If you haven't seen the vagina monologues or read them, you really should. If you like people with vaginas, um, you should read them because it's, it's, they're very, very good monologues. And they really do, like, open up people's minds to like how people with vaginas are treated in the world i don't know if they'll ever come out with the penis monologues but if they do that i would be willing to watch that too because yeah. trauma happens to people with penises too it's just, i don't know people with vaginas it seems to happen more often I don't know. Or maybe it's just more publicized. I, I think know. I think also, you know, thank goodness, but women are more willing to talk about it for the sake of other women. I think sometimes guys feel the need to bury their trauma, which is never a good thing. But it's, it's part of the culture where they think yeah. they have to be men. Um, it's just like male rape goes a lot more unreported. Yes. Which, I know, I wish there was some way to meld vagina monologues into also covering like issues that men have too but it's kind of, or i just want to say people with penises because like vagina monologues is strictly about vaginas 
And it's kind of, she's evolved it. Eve Ensler has evolved it over the years. She adds a new monologue every year. And so she has one with like a trans woman talking about getting her vagina. And she's got ones like talking about like rape culture and like, you know, people covering up for like frat boys and politicians raping people, things like that, which is very relevant today, even though that monologue was written like years ago um now but like it's very interesting because she does write a new one every year and or she did for a while at least so she's evolved it to be more inclusive um and include like uh cultures around the world too which i appreciate because like sometimes because like when it first started it was like she interviewed a lot of different women from a lot of different like points of view however she was a New Yorker, so it was mostly people from New York. So then she expanded it and keeps expanding it, which is kind of cool. Anyways, it's a great thing, but I've gotten off topic. Um, <laughs> the only other thing, I feel like there was something else I watched, but I didn't write a lot of stuff down simply because we were mostly focusing on the Evil Dead. But I did watch the first three episodes of the latest season of Succession. Mm. I uh, I won't spoil it because episode three is like a jaw-dropping episode but it was something that we all knew was coming eventually i just think a lot of people weren't expecting it so soon but what happened was kind of almost happened like in the first episode ever so i wasn't really like i knew it was gonna happen so like i was not terribly upset that it got spoiled except that I just didn't, I didn't want to know which episode it happened in, but I knew it was going to happen, like, at some point, or at least I assumed. So, yes, my jaw did drop. But also, like, I'm very excited to see where the the rest of it goes. I haven't watched episode four yet, but it is out, so I will be watching that soon as well. It's still really good. Some people are saying they're kind of like, eh, except for the latest episode, is the one that everyone was like, oh my god, such good television. But I've liked every episode, so I don't know. Maybe I'm just a succession stan. I don't know. I just yeah. really like it. I did uh, I did accidentally out... Not really. It doesn't really matter. But Scott didn't know that Matthew McFadden is British. Because <laughs> he, he does not play a British person in succession. And I showed him the... I sent him, like, the clip of... Uh, Pride and Prejudice, Mac- Matthew McFadden, and I was like, "Isn't it hilarious that this guy also plays Tom on Succession?" He's like, "Well, he's British," and I was like, "Yeah, so is Shiv. The woman who plays Shiv is also British." He's like, "Why are so many British people playing Americans?" I was like, "I don't know, man. They're taking our jobs." I was just kidding. That was a joke, but it was really funny. I still think it's funny because I remember, so obviously HBO Max, and they're about to be just Max. Uh, oh my god! But they, that thing. I know, but they made the announcement. Just they're Max. like, "Hey, we're doing a Dunkin' Egg series," and all the Game of Thrones fans are like, "Yes!" But um, they're also like, "We're doing a Harry Potter series oh, yeah. that's going to be like <gasps> the kids growing, like literally, like each season's a book." And um, I was thinking way back in the day, which I I don't care for J.K. Rowling. But I just remember yeah. way back in the day reading an interview where she was like very distinctly like, you know, we wanted to make sure that Harry was a British boy. And I, I understood that because obviously he is. But then I always think it's interesting that our Superman is 
British because Superman right. is like the most American character you can get, right? But like, yeah, we cast a lot of well, them there. But then personally, Bridget, but then Bridget people Jones. got upset. Yeah, people got upset about Bridget Jones being yeah. played by an American. But then they saw her and they was like, "Oh, she's perfect." To me, I'm like when it comes to like accents, I'm uh, completely ignoring like if if racism and race and gender aren't a thing. For this character, like, if it can be any kind of race or gender, I just say, you know, whoever the fuck is best for the part, if they can do the accent. Yeah. Personally. But when it's race and gender, I'm like, uh, if it's specifically in the script supposed to be, like, if it's supposed to be a transgender person, you should try your hardest to get an actual transgender person. Yeah. Um, If it's, you know, a black person or a Asian person or a white person, and it's specific to the script... Like, I would not have wanted to see a bunch of white people in everything, everywhere, all at once, because... It would change the story completely. It would completely change everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, that. other than that, I'm like, eh, whoever. Like, that's what I'm always... But, yeah, it was a little bit... But also, <laughs> now that we know what we know about J.K. Rowling... I know, that's she's, what... She's an exclusionist when it comes to trans women so why wouldn't she be an exclusionist when it comes to americans and that's the big thing that like you'll see arguments in the harry potter community and i'm one of those people i like i like harry potter i like a lot of people i grew up with harry potter but i'm not like a big enough harry potter fan that i'm just like take my money like i'm gonna buy like harry potter shit but you know you'll see those arguments where there's people who are like you know i don't like jk rowling but i love the series it means a lot to me so yes i'm gonna buy the hogwarts legacy yes i'm gonna support this new series that people are like but you're still feeding her you're still paying her money when you buy that stuff so that it's, is something you see hard. blow up over and over again um with those conversations well, so when i had a really shitty well not shitty but a not as up-to-date computer it was really easy for me to be like i'm not gonna buy hogwarts legacy but now i have a really good one i haven't bought it and i'm like i'm very torn because like i love i love harry potter growing up as a huge harry potter fan but i'm not a fan of jk rowling and i'm like why can't it just not go to her and the interesting thing is i think there's a like i think you can design your character to be transgender in legacy you can because so, so, the game designers didn't have her input at all yes but it's because she, i mean but because she owns the property and she hasn't sold it completely you can't just kick her off unless she signed it over and i think she would have to do that willingly and she is a producer on the new series they're making too so yeah. so yeah i mean just like with everything with jk rowling that's like like i said before i think this is something we're gonna definitely be hearing a lot about especially as they start prepping and as they start announcing these children that they'll be casting too um yeah that's gonna be very very interesting and also like i brought up max will be doing a conjuring series and it's gonna be doing the um sir duncan the tall and uh egg stories which will be another game of thrones spinoff based on the hedge knight Anyways, I figure I'd tell you real, real quick what I watched before we get into Evil Dead, so it won't take me very yeah. long. Um, I had stumbled across this list because basically on my dashboard at work, it's like suggested articles for you, and sometimes those get me in real trouble. Uh, <laughs> but there was this <laughs> list, and it was like, you know, basically... The person writing it was like, you know, all these great novels are like thousands of pages and all these great movies are like three and a half hours. So let's create this list of like short books, short stories and short movies. 
And there was two movies on this list that they were both like right at 90 minutes. So I was like, I can watch two movies that are 90 minutes. So the first one, and I am not expert in French like Katie, but uh, I'm going to attempt to pronounce oh, it expert. like how they say in the movie, or at least what it sounded like phonetically to me. So The Umbrellas of Chebu, Chebu, it's this beautiful movie. It was like made in the early 1960s, so it was like the same kind of like French wave that was coming with Breathless. The colors are so gorgeous. It's like you want to live in this movie. It is on HBO Max right now. Okay. And the movie is entirely sung through. Like, every line hmm. of dialogue is sung, uh, which is a little jarring at first, but then once you, like, get into the rhythm of it, you, it's just, like, second nature when you're watching it. But basically, like, these two young lovers, they... Um, they're so they're so in love, and it's first love, and they're so madly in love. Well, he gets, like... He has to do time in the military, and so... The night before he leaves, they consummate their love. And it's very PG. So you you know what's about oh, to okay. happen, but you don't see anything. But she ends up pregnant. And it's like the fallout of that story and like what happens between these two young lovers. And it's so sweet um, and bittersweet. But the movie is just so beautiful and so colorful. Like I couldn't take my eyes off of it the whole time I was watching it. And then by the end of it, I was like, oh my God, I love the way it ended and everything. And I couldn't remember exactly what it kind of reminded me of. So then I was reading about it. And it turns out it was like one of Damien Chazelle's favorite movies that actually loosely inspired La La Land. I was like, oh, so that's... Uh And what's really funny is, as we discussed before, I don't really like La La Land, but I love the ending of La La Land. So Yeah, the ending's great. I did totally just have a conversation with somebody. I was like, I hate La La Land. And they were like, oh, I love it so much. And I was like, huh, I hate it. And here's why. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, but you can like it. I was like, don't get me wrong. Like, if you like it, enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. I That's one of those things. It's like, it was one of those movies I think got so hyped. And then by the time I watched it, I was like, it's okay. I love the audition scene with the fools who dream. And I love the ending. But the rest of the movie just wasn't overly memorable to me. The costuming was beautiful. You know, it was okay. But it's just like, none of the musical numbers or anything just really stuck out to me. But that's what The Umbrella is mm-hmm. a Shrabu. Like, it kind of, I was like, oh, it makes sense. Like, it's kind of like that bittersweet love story. Um, But yeah, it's, I. in case Katie ever decides to watch it, I won't spoil too much. But it was just a lovely little film I probably would have never even heard about if I hadn't read that list. Um, But the other movie I watched off that list was Shiva Baby. Which is... Oh, yeah, I've been wanting to watch that. So where, where is it streaming? On HBO Max. Oh, okay. Yes. And so, and it's the same girl who's the podcaster girl in Bodies, Body, Bodies. She's the lead yeah. in this movie. And uh, just basically, it's it's kind of like a dark little comedy about how there's this girl and she has a, um, a sugar daddy. And she goes to Shiva, which is like essentially like the, it's not a Jewish funeral. The body's not there, but it's like they mourn the dead. And she runs into her sugar daddy, and he's actually married. Mm-hmm. And the story kind of goes from there as, like, you know, she just slowly freaks out in this very confined space. Yeah. Taylor was watching it with me. He was really pleasantly surprised. Um, and it's like I said, it's another great movie. It's short. It's very cringe-inducing. So that was something that was really hard for me, because I was just like, ugh, ugh. Like, I kept cringing throughout the movie. But yeah. I still really liked it. I would really recommend it. Anyways, is there anything else we want to talk about before we yeah. actually get into The Evil Dead? So, okay. No, very, very quickly, because I don't think you saw any of this, but I did 
binge watch beef. I'm gonna say, oh yeah, watch I have it. not started it yet, Katie. Watch it; it's so good. Uh, I'll just say this, guys: watch it. We'll once Katie watches it, we'll have a we'll have a more of a sit down discussion with it. But I can now say, like, out of the two A24 shows I've seen, both are incredible in very different ways. I love it. And now A24 is doing a show called The Idol, which is premiering, like, June 4th. But yeah. I still haven't watched the trailers for it, so I'm in the dark. Well, The Idol's kind of controversial. Oh, okay. And see, I don't There's know. There's some stuff about it. Ooh. But we'll, we'll talk okay. about it when it comes out. Yeah. But let's get um, on to The Evil Dead, then. Yes. So... Da, 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 da. So this is our crash course on the Evil Dead for those of you who maybe don't know a ton about it. I don't know. Quick background. The Evil Dead franchise was created by none other than Sam Raimi, who did more new stuff that he's done is Drag Me to Hell is a big horror that everybody likes that he did. He also did the Tobey Maguire, uh, almost said Star Trek, Spider-Man <laughs> trilogy and he's kind of in he was in kind of like a friend horror group with like Wes Craven and oh my god Freddy Krueger fuck well, that, oh, is Wes Craven. that is Wes Craven yes. no I was thinking who's the other person I'm thinking of um but like Stephen King he has a cameo in the tv show version of The Shining um but he was kind of in like this little horror group and he would do a bunch of stuff. Um, he's a guy. He's He was just a kid from Detroit, Michigan. Um, and he met um, Bruce Campbell uh, in high school. And they were friends with another guy, Scott Spiegel. And they were all making movies together. And then he, in college, he was going to Michigan State. And he had a roommate named Rob Tappert. And they were all, along with his brothers Ted and Ivan, were all, like, making movies. And basically he quit... They all kind of quit college to make the first Evil Dead movie, which is pretty cool. I watched, um, or I didn't watch it. I listened to the Idiot podcast episode that Sam Raimi comes on and kind of talks about his film career. It's a pretty good one if you just want to kind of hear him. He seems like a generally pretty nice guy. You know, he did cast James Franco a bunch, but I'm going to hope that he was ignorant to james franco's problematic behavior because i know i was until recently but he did say on that podcast that so one of his well i think it was rob tapper who's been a producer of most of these and all of these people by the way have continued to be a part of the evil dead franchise even when they're not in them they serve as producers and stuff like that but on this podcast, he was talking that his friend Rob, before he made The Evil Dead, was like, you need to see a good horror movie. And he took him to John Carpenter's Halloween. That was the other person I was trying to think of. To John Carpenter's Halloween. And he was so terrified of it. And he said, I didn't know horror movies could be good. Like, that's a good movie. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I don't know if I can make that. He's like, well, we can at least try. But the thing is, like, he's always liked, quote unquote, bad horror and gory horror. Um, so he was like, you know, I don't think I can focus on the characters like John Carpenter can, but I think I'm going to focus on the thrills and chills and the cool camera shots. And that's kind of how they ended up making this little movie in Tennessee because Tennessee had a film grant that they could use. They had a film, what do they call it? Commission. And they were like, here's a cabin you can use. Here's a bridge you can break. Have at it. And so they drove on down to Tennessee I made this tiny movie with a little budget and eventually 
it did become a classic, but it was not very popular at first. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't. No one went to distribute it. I should say that. No American company went to distribute it. Did you know that, Britt? Yeah, I was reading about it. And it was like a horrible, horrible production. <laughs> like, it was like... It was awful. Oh. They had 13 people in the production cast and crew. And they were all living in this tiny-ass cabin. With no running water. No running water. Also, so one time, apparently, they didn't have any money, so they were barely eating. They were working 16-hour days. And then someone stole some of their power tools. So then they had to have someone sleep in the cabin... To guard things, even when people found alternative lodging. However, one night Sam Raimi was sleeping in there to guard stuff. And a guy had just wandered in off the street out of the cold and was sleeping there. And he woke up and there was this man sleeping next to him. And he was like, who the fuck are you? And I mean, he didn't hurt him. He was like, fine. But it was like, then, then he apparently slept up the hill. Which they eventually used as a graveyard in the movie. Yeah, and and my coworker <laughs> read uh, Bruce Campbell's autobiography and confirmed this to me because I asked him. I was like, "Was this an autobiography?" So I had read that like at one point a cameraman mm-hmm. slipped and punched basically Bruce in the face with the camera and knocked out like multiple teeth. And he's <gasps> like, "Yeah, that he's like that was in the autobiography that really happened." I was like, "Dude, like I can understand like maybe getting cut up and bruised filming something, but I'm like, your teeth literally getting knocked out like that is awful." Like, but yeah, and this is the thing. So watching me and Taylor, so I I know I told you this, Katie. So like I seen the remake. I hadn't seen the remake since I saw it in theaters ten years ago. It came out ten years ago this April, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen I Army of Darkness in part two since I was a kid. So in preparation for Rises, and since Taylor had only ever seen the remake, we basically like back to back to back watch these movies. And I realized all the movies are like an hour to twenty to an hour and thirty five minutes. They're all really yeah. short. They're all like eighty five minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's easy to get through them. But me and Taylor watching them again, I was like, people get thrown into shit a lot in these movies a lot yeah they break a lot of furniture with their bodies yeah demons are apparently very strong i'm sorry candarian demons it it is like poor (laughs) poor bruce campbell like it's like every time he gets thrown into something like shit breaks on him so it's like he gets thrown into a bookshelf and the bookshelf like literally falls over and breaks Uh on him and i was just like dude like there's no i don't think these are stunts i think it's like literally they're just throwing actors into shit oh no i think they're absolutely just throwing him into stuff but the, the other thing is with bruce campbell He says that Ash is the role of a lifetime, and he is one of the most involved actors in a franchise. Like, he goes to Comic-Cons. He can be – he's a bit of a smarmy asshole sometimes, but, like, in a charming way, you know? Like, but he will – he goes to, like, all these conventions, and he always has, and he seems pretty genuinely excited that there are fans because, honestly – he, between him and Sam and Rob, like, all three of them have been involved with the whole time. Yeah. Throughout all, he's always a producer. You know, I think he he really put his heart, soul, and blood into all the movies. And it shows. It really does. And it, the thing about the first movie, um, which, okay, I guess the plot. It's it's a very simple, it's basically the plot to The Cabin in the Woods, minus the ending. Um, but Ashley Ash, his middle name is Joanne, I believe, but they just say Jay. Uh, Williams travels to a remote cabin with his girlfriend, Linda, his sister, Shelly, or Cheryl, his, his sister, Cheryl, his friend, Scotty, and his girl and Scotty's girlfriend, Shelly. And after discovering a book bound in human flesh and written in blood, 
and a recording of its contents, they unleash an ancient evil set to possess or kill them all. And that's basically the whole movie. The thing about the Evil Dead is they did try to make it scary. And parts of it genuinely are scary. The tree scene? I think that's gratuitous. I actually hate it. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's gratuitous. I think it's... I don't know. It, it bothers me, but not in a negative way. It bothers me in a... This makes me very uncomfortable because this seems very realistic. Of course, I just got off a show that literally talks about rape every five minutes. So maybe that's why yeah, like, it wasn't phasing me. I guess, like, my thing is, is, like, I guess the force attack deer made sense. But then, like, in both the remake and the original, suddenly it's, like, it's literally inserting itself in her. And I'm like, oh, God, yeah. you know, that's a... I mean, I get it. It's 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 shocking, and that's what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to shock you? But in both movies, I'm like, oh, do we really need it? I don't know. Well, and I think they're also trying to be anti-rape. I think that's part of it. Is rape does cause issues? I mean, maybe I don't know. If, I don't think the first movie is maybe that smart. I think the remake has a lot of symbolism. Yeah, which is what I like about it. But we won't go to that yet. But um, that part genuinely is disturbing. I do, like, I like when they're all taunting him and stuff. Like, that part's fun. Yeah. The makeup kit is a little lacking, but it's almost so wacky that it's still kind of scary. It reminds me of the blue zombies of uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. And it's like, I know we talked about this before, but they kept using 2% milk. And it's so obvious, like, the bile <laughs> is milk. Because even Taylor was like, is that milk? And I was like, yep, definitely milk. And then Taylor's yeah. like, how many fog machines do they have running? Because it's like, every time they step out, there's just fog, 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 fog. Well, they're in the mountains, too. Yeah. The mountains can get very foggy. It's especially in the south, because it's so humid. Yeah. It's just so funny, though, because it's just, like, very, very, like, sets the mood. Like, it's almost, like, haunted house-looking, eerie. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's like also, I mean, this was the movie that like set off that trope of like, hey, let's get a group of kids together and all hell breaks loose. Yeah. So it's so classic. It kind of messed me up a little bit watching the first Evil Dead, which was like early 1980s. And then I guess Evil Dead 2 was like maybe 87, 88. And just... Oh, uh, yeah. Evil Dead 1's 81. Evil Dead 2's 87. And can you believe... So is it just me or is it like Bruce Campbell in just six years looks so drastically different? <laughs> he does. He looks... He looks like a baby in the first one. He does. And it's like... But also his character is so much more innocent in the first one, too. Like, he gives his girlfriend, Linda, that necklace. And there's that cute little scene where, like, he's like... It's almost like cute stuff in this first one. And the second one is just, like, chaos. I was, like... I was laughing so hard. I almost screamed. Because, like, watching 2 and Army of Darkness back-to-back. So, we know, like, 2 is, like, essentially a remake of the first movie. And basically, Mm -hmm. all the action of the first movie essentially happens in, like, the first 10 minutes of the second movie. But, Mm -hmm. so, it's funny. So, Army of Darkness is, what, like, 1990, 1991, right? And so, it's, like... 92. Okay, 92. But it's a direct sequel to part 2. But Linda's mm-hmm. a completely fucking different actress. Like, <laughs> she doesn't even, like, remotely <laughs> so look the same. And I was just like, oh, my God, they have a different Linda every single They have movie. a different Linda in Ash vs. Evil Dead, too. That's oh, hilarious. by the way, did you know that the reason it got distributed in London, in, in, in uh, Europe, not England, in Europe was because Irvin Shapiro, the one guy that had any faith in them, said it's not gone with it ain't gone with the wind but i think i can make some money off of it and he took it to con film festival that is where evil dead got its distribution was at con 
which I find hilarious because Colin nowadays we're like, oh, it's like there are avant-garde stuff, but it's also like very prestigious. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just love that they brought this movie because like now it's like a thing, but like the movie itself is just kind of crazy and bloody and just chaos. But yeah, but I guess moving on to Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. like you were saying, so that was released in 1987. Basically, I found this interesting. They had all had a really terrible experience, all the filmmakers making this movie Crime Wave with the studio system. Like, they kept editing stuff and changing the music, and it was just a horrible experience. Reminding me a lot of David Lynch's experience making Dune. So basically, like, they made their own movie... It was miserable, but, like, they all did it together, and it ended up being successful. And then they go and, you know, the studio is like, oh, we'll pay you to make this next movie. We'll give you a bigger budget. Should be simpler. Uh, I was about to say, um, Guillermo del Toro had this issue, too. Like, like a lot of, like, really good independent filmmakers have this issue where, like, they have a really hard time going to the studio system because the studio system, in a lot of ways, is very backwards and old-fashioned. And they don't think that you know what you're doing, even though you made an independent, successful movie. Right. And that's why they hired you. You know, it's stupid. But anyways, they had a really bad time and the movie was a flop. And they ironically also went to Dino De Laurentiis, who is the guy that funded Blue Velvet after David Lynch had that horrible experience with Dune. And he gave them the money to start this one. And they were like, huh, well, we like doing Evil Dead. So I guess let's just do it again basically but it's not like exactly the same. it's the exact same movie in the first 15 minutes yeah so basically other than like his sister and his friends it's like him and linda but yeah it's essentially just that it's like the passage from the books gets read mm-hmm. and then they come and they possess linda and ash ends up having to kill linda because she's possessed and then it comes for him but like yeah. compared to also linda dances in the mu- moonlight and that was when i was like this movie's pretty fucking hilarious. I think I'm going to keep watching it's it. It's so funny because I was talking to my dad today and my dad was like, you know, part two has always been my favorite. And I was like, you know, what's funny is that that's like the highest rated in the series, too. It's part mm-hmm. two. Yeah, I think everybody because it, it kind of found its voice because it is kind of horror comedy. And that is kind of Sam Raimi because if you watch Drag Me to Hell, there's a lot of funny shit you in there. You me, stuff. you bitch. <laughs> also um he's a huge three stooges fan and if you watch some of the like the physical comedy especially in army of darkness which gets even goofier uh it's a lot of the same shit uh, that the three stooges would do so i find that hilarious because it's like it should be scary but it's kind of not um but it, it is interesting though because in the first in uh evil dead 2 like, he reads something in the book that says, like, in the 1300s, a knight from the sky defeated the Deadites. And then that leads to the third movie, which is Army of Darkness. But that was 1992, which weirds me out that, that, that there was an Evil Dead Bruce Campbell movie in the early 90s when I was alive. Because for some reason, I thought they were all done much earlier. We pick up from the end of Evil Dead 2 where Ash got... Uh, sucked into medieval times and Brittany, y- your favorite line. Yeah, so when I was little and I watched this for like the first time, I was like maybe seven or eight and uh, the opening is my name is Ash and I'm a slave and I thought that was the funniest shit ever because all I could think of was Ash Ketchum from Pokemon and I kept laughing about it after a while my dad's Facts. like, it's really not that funny. Like my dad was like so done with me laughing. Same. 
Brittany, you're five years old. Take it seriously. Take it. I mean, but you know what? Technically, even rewatching that movie, like we rewatched it last night, I was like, dude, like a kid. It's not that it's really appropriate for children, but I'm like, kids would love this because it's so slapstick. Yeah, it's not that inappropriate. Like all the blood and gore is kind of just over the top and funny. Yeah. So I don't even know if and like they're mostly killing skeletons. That's true. So I don't even know if like kids would get upset because did you watch bed knobs and broomsticks as a little kid you know what i i only remember like one or two scenes i don't know if i just saw those oh. scenes or if i just like blocked everything else out but i only remember like do you one- remember the battle sequence i don't think so Mm-mm. okay well the, the end of the of bed knobs and broomsticks kind of reminds me of the battle that takes place in this because uh basically angela lansbury with her witchcraft um, gets all of there's a like there's a there, there's like a British history museum and it has all of these medieval soldiers bodies like it's like the the suits of armor and she gets them to fight at the Nazis at the end of the movie and the Nazis can't kill them because there are they're just suits of armor and they're just relentlessly going after them it's great Anyways, but it was kind of like this with all like the, just the so all the violence is like funny because there's no blood, there's no people getting killed, yeah. just Nazis and suits of armor. Fuck yeah! Em. But um, but this is like mostly skeletons and bad ash because this movie introduces bad ash. Yeah, or evil ash. I'm sorry, evil ash. Evil ash. Yeah, I kind of fucking love evil ash. It is pretty funny. And Taylor brought up. He was like, you know, he's like, he reminds me a lot of Jim Carrey. And I was like, you know what? I never thought about yeah. it. I kept thinking Lucille Ball, not because. Okay, hear me out. <laughs> he probably was inspired by her. Yeah, he's like so. It's like he's a very physical actor, and like the comedy is just so physical in these movies. Yeah. Well, his voice changes too, like from the evil dead to like evil dead 2 and army of darkness mm-hmm. gizmo apparently agrees i mean we go from like literally evil dead 2 where it's like groovy to like the ending of army of darkness where it's like hell to the king baby so i know that's the only stuff that kind of rubs me the wrong way is when he's just like hell to the king baby i'm like oh my god shut up Bruce. but he literally says that in part two too where i kind of roll my eyes because he's talking to linda he's like He's like, I'm a man, you're a woman, or at least last time I checked. And I'm like, <laughs> my God, what bless. kind of dialogue is this? And you're like, oh, that's right. But yeah, how much of it is Bruce Campbell? How much of it is Ash? I hope it's more Ash than Bruce Campbell. But Sam Raimi seems like a very nice man. So I feel like he probably wouldn't hang out with Bruce Campbell all these years later if he turned out to be like a creep. Yeah. Right? You know, and I've told this story before, but um, when me and Taylor first started dating, and this was in 2013, so Taylor always tries to say that Evil Dead was like our first date. It wasn't. We hung outside of work. It was one of our first times (laughs) hanging outside of work together, but we went with a group of friends, and we didn't sit next to each other, so it wasn't a date. But that fall, we were dating, and we went to the Nashville Comic Con, and Taylor is walking in the Comic Con and he literally runs into Bruce Campbell. And like, I just like, my eyes got really big because I was like, oh my God, that's fucking Bruce Campbell. And Taylor, <gasps> okay, you told Taylor me. doesn't recognize him. Taylor does never seen any of the Evil Deads. And so he was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. And Bruce's eyes were literally like, 
oh, it's okay, dude. And he kept walking. And, like, this, like, <laughs> this, like, trail of people was just following Bruce. So, like, you could just, like, see 10, 12 people just slowly following him. Because they were, like, just, like, you know, probably trying to get him to a point where they could ask for, like, an autograph or a picture. Oh, I was, like, because they were his entourage? Or they were literally just No, they were just, him. like, fans, like, following him for the Comic-Con. <laughs> oh, no! Poor Bruce Campbell. Yeah. He's so nice to people, though. Like, he... But he does say some cheeky-ass shit sometimes. Somebody at the South by Southwest premiere of Evil Dead Rise yelled, went to, like, the question mic and said, this movie sucks! And then everyone started booing. And Bruce Campbell was like, uh, dude, oh, he's retreating. Oh, he's going back. Oh! Because, like, I don't know, but, like, I haven't seen it yet, but, like, I haven't heard anything bad about it yet. It has, like, a 7.8 on IMDb, I oh, think. Oh, Evil Dead Rise? Or... Yeah. I think it's still, like, sitting pretty at, like, a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I so... mean, it'll probably drop um, after this week, I would imagine. But uh, my thing is, for a yeah. horror movie, if it stays 75 or higher, that's pretty good for a horror film. Yeah, so anyways, but, like, he will say cheeky shit, but, like, he doesn't... I haven't heard any, like, bad, bad stuff about him, which is good. Yeah. Now, that character... I'm gonna, I'm gonna quickly touch on this, because it is canon, but it's... It's not a movie, but like I would, if you like Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness, I would suggest watching it. I've watched most of the first season, and it's three seasons: Ash versus the Evil Dead TV series on Stars, um, which was from 2015 to 2018. So it's like it completely ignores Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness plot wise. However, it has the character of Ash. As it was presented in those two movies, if that makes sense. Like, he's groovy, and he's got the chainsaw arm, and he's got the gun, but he talks about his little sister and stuff. So, like, it's, like, basically everything that happened in Evil Dead, like, the Evil Dead, but with the bent of uh, the Army of Darkness, Bruce, like, that attitude. Um, not Bruce, uh, Ash. Yeah. But he's still working at S-Mart, but it's called Value Mart. Um, and basically, he hasn't been able to destroy the Necronomicon, so he's just kind of kept it locked up, and then he accidentally, uh, releases the demons again, and so he's in, like, he and his two younger, like, one of his younger co-workers and their friend, who are both, like, in their 20s, are, like, trying to defeat the evil, um, and then people are, like, chasing them, and they think that he's m murdering people because he keeps fighting demons, and then finding they find bodies in their wake and they think he's the one killing them it's really funny the demons are scarier looking but the, it's very tongue-in-cheek and very silly so i suggest it if you like evil dead 2 and you like army of darkness you'll definitely like it for sure it's really good um but i haven't finished it so i don't know what happens exactly um also there is an evil dead the musical which basically takes the evil, the Evil Dead, and Evil Dead Two, and puts both of them in the same universe, basically. So, like, you have all the characters of the of the Evil Dead, but then the um, archaeologist lady and her boyfriend show up in Act Two. Oh, and then they all like have to fight that, and that stuff happens too. And it's it's a very campy little musical, and it's very fun. It's not a very serious musical, 
And I wouldn't say it's a very difficult music. Like, it's not like an overly complicated musical, but it's just campy and fun. And a lot of people will use a lot of blood effects. They'll give the front two rows, like, raincoats so that they don't get blood all over their clothes. So if you see Evil Dead the Musical Live, um, just be aware that there is a splash zone. That is awesome. Yeah. But moving on, I think, to the most recent movie... Oh, there's also a couple video games, and there's one that I used to own that Ash is in there, and he says groovy and boomstick when you kill things. It's pretty fun. That's fun. Anyways, but moving on to the final movie. Yes, which is now 10 years old. Isn't that crazy? That is weird. I remember when this movie came out, Evil Dead, which is just Evil Dead in 2013. Everyone was like, it's the scariest movie you've ever seen. And I remember my boyfriend at the time, his little sister went and saw the movie in theater. She was like, I've never been so scared in my entire life. It is scary. However, I just rewatched it this like today. After I got home from work, I turned it on the background while I was like doing stuff around my house. <laughs> and um it it is scary, but I like this movie a lot because unlike most remakes, it has a different reason why they're at the cabin and there's a lot of underlying commentary and symbolism in it. Although a lot of people, I feel like, don't really get that. I don't know. I've had a lot of people be like, well, it has this... In-. like, Because the whole reason they're at the cabin is because the little sister is trying to give up a heroin addiction. And so... Which is a good idea. Like, I'm like, okay, cool. And... Should we spoil it, Brad? Yeah, so, I mean, this one is actually the most easily accessible because it's on Pluto TV, so Pluto yes. is free. everything else you have to rent right now. Although they've all been available to stream at some point on Amazon Prime and other places because I know I streamed them for free, but I rented them this time. Oh, and Ash vs. the Evil Dead is on Stars, so that is free to watch if you have a Stars subscription. Okay, so major spoiler. So Mia, who's like the lead in this movie, they always attended for Mia and Ash's storylines to converge, and that just never happened. Yes, yes. Well, because Mia, so so in the original Evil, the Evil Dead. The little sister is the first one. She's the one that is raped and uh, tortured by the trees. She's possessed first. And she's like, I think she's the last demon to die technically in the first movie. It's really close between her and the friend. But like, she's a goner. She's not, she's, she's not the survivor. That's Ash. To flip that on its head, expectations, major spoilers, by the way, if you haven't watched it already, watch it on Pluto TV first. Mia ends up being the lone survivor in kind of a symbol about how only you can save yourself from addiction. Yeah. Which I think is really powerful because, like, I've had a lot. I've Addiction is a really big thing. I think we talked about this when I was talking about all the beauty and the bloodshed. Like, there's a lot of people who have addiction. Actually, apparently, bars are having trouble like getting people to come drink like it, that's why they have so many mocktails now because like a lot of younger generations are just like not bothering with drinking alcohol anymore because like I, it is a big problem like people just like substance abuse is real anyways but the only person that can save yourself from addiction is yourself like nobody can fix it for you you have to want to get sober to get clean whatever for it to actually stick and i think that's a really interesting symbol for such a bloody gory movie yeah but i do like that there's that little bit of like 
intelligence added onto it. Not that the other movies weren't intelligent, but like they didn't have that extra layer of subtext. And I do really like that because like she, at first it's just like friends. And then like eventually like her and her brother are the last two left. And then she ends up, and she ends up having to fight a version of herself. Yeah. Just like evil Ash. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, there's a post credits where Ash is like groovy so they were supposed to meet up, but then, so here's what happened at the end of this movie. They had, they had an idea to do an Army of Darkness sequel and a sequel to this one, but then they ended up doing Ash versus the Evil Dead as the sequel to Army of Darkness, kind of, and then they never brought Mia into that. Yeah. And a lot of people thought that maybe Evil Dead Rise, there was some confusion that they were just like, oh, is this Mia's story again? And it's like a sequel of Mia? That's what I thought. Yeah, and it's not. It's like another completely standalone tell. Now, I will say my only, and unsurprising for me, my only kind of issue with Evil Dead, the remake, I was like, dude, you brought a dog into the movie to kill it. Like, there is no reason. There was not an animal Aww. in any of the other movies. So you really didn't need to bring the animal into it. But, of course, they, you know, they have to up the all factor. And his name is Grandpa. His name is Grandpa. And he's so cute. But, yeah, I even liked it because even rewatching them back to back to back. So in the in the second movie, it's the archaeological archaeologist i can't say the damn archaeologist word. thank you their daughter like basically at one point she hears her mom singing a song and she's almost tricked into like releasing her mom from the cellar and mm-hmm. they brought that back again and even the remake where it's like um mia struggles to remember a song that her mother sang to her and her brother and then later you hear her singing it and so i liked all the little nods they did to the yeah. original films they just made all those little nods serious and that was yeah. like a kind of a return to the horror roots of the franchise. So I think it would have been very easy for them to just do a remake and do a remake that was very true to the tone of the original. And I really do appreciate they kind of made it its own thing. They did. And it's the same creators of the Don't Breathe movies. Yes, it's the same actress. And she's actually the actress for uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which I never watched, but I heard really good things about. I have heard good things about that, mm-hmm. but I have not watched it. I just can't believe she yes. doesn't, to me, she doesn't even look like herself in Don't Breathe. I had to look at the face and be like, oh my god, yeah, it is her. Sarah Levy. Yeah. Is her name. Yeah. She does a really good job. I will say, like, the one complaint that I do agree with that people have had about this movie is the characters are pretty basic. But that's how the first movie was, too. Like, everyone's like, well, Ash is so memorable. It's like, Ash wasn't memorable in the first movie. Yeah. He, he was, was just cute. a guy. He was cute, and that's why they cast him as the lead, because he was attractive. Apparently, he was a real loser in high school, according to... <laughs> Aww. So I guess, like, my question is... What do you expect out of Evil Dead Rises? Okay, so we definitely... So, I brought this up before, and I'll bring it up again next week. But um, it's amazing, because the trailer is a Red Band trailer. And I know you kind of been trying to keep away from trailers, but I'm sure you watched this one. No. Okay, you haven't watched this one. Okay, no. so it's very serious. It's very violent. Um, But there's a scene where the mom obviously possess spoiler but that's like seems to be like the underlying thing of this film is that the mother's possessed and um she's like mommy's with the maggots now and it just sounds like owen wilson 
And it, like, <laughs> fucks me up so bad because it's, like, such a serious, like, disturbing Red Band movie trailer. And then she speaks like that. And I'm like, all I can see is Ocean of Owen Wilson. Like, wow, wow. Wow. Um, wow. Mommy with the maggots. Wow. Mommy with the maggots. Wow. So I wow. don't know if anyone else thinks it when they see that trailer. But I'm just waiting for that moment in the theater so I can die laughing. Uh, inappropriately. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely expecting more of a 2013 film. I don't see a lot of room for humor in this one. I'm very excited because it's like, obviously the actors have been in other things, but they're not faces that I recognize very easily. And I always yeah, love that. Yeah, I don't recognize anyone. Yeah, I love that about like horror films where they kind of cast like more unknown actors because then you really like, you can't be like, oh, this is blah, blah, blah from blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's really your experience in the terror with a new face. Yeah. I'm seeing it on Thursday night. And uh, me, I felt bad because Katie just was like, hey, you want to see Evil Dead Friday? I'm like, oh, shit, I've already seen it Thursday. That's okay. I don't want to see it Thursday night because then, like, I want to be able to. But you already have something going on Friday mm-hmm. night. I want to go to a late night showing of it. I'm going to be honest. Well, this is going to be... So this is like a 7 o'clock showing. And I have a feeling... So I think this is going to be the first movie we kind of seen on like... We don't have midnight premieres anymore. But it's like... I guess it's like a soft premiere essentially. So I'm curious to see how people are going to react to certain things in the film. It's going to be very interesting to gauge others' reactions and, like, what parts they're going to scream at or laugh at. I do like seeing... I don't like seeing all films in a busy theater because I don't like being distracted, but, but I horror think, movies are more fun. Yeah, they are a lot more fun, especially if you got some screamers in the audience. That's always fun. Well... I would like to talk about Evil Dead even more. However, we'll have next week for our roundtable discussion. And Gizmo keeps trying to escape. I don't know if he has to pee or what, but I'm going to have to cut it pretty soon because it's getting unruly in this room. Gizmo, calm down, bud. Oh, my God. Anyways, um, so I guess we're going to have to say goodbye. But next week, we'll be talking about Evil Dead Rise and we'll be joined by some guests. Yeah. We'll be having a roundtable discussion with three familiar faces. Well, voices. <laughs> Not faces, because you haven't seen them. Uh, three familiar voices um, that have been on the podcast before. Um, all of whom are fellow horror enthusiasts. And we'll be talking about everyone's opinions on Evil Dead Rise. I think it'll be a pretty chill episode. Unless the movie is really controversial, and then it might get crazy. I mean, sometimes crazy can be fun. I, I, you know, yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm kind of hoping, like, I'm just like, I have a feeling, like, we're all probably gonna like it, but like, I have a feeling if one of us is the rogue opinion, it's gonna be me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I might get beaten up for. It. <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna be no. You're gonna be beaten up for it. We won't physically beat you, no. just mentally. I'm just yeah, kidding. It's- no. Well, Art is wrong. subjective, and it's all okay to have whatever opinions you want. So I guess we're going to see you guys next week. I know it's been, like, a tough couple of weeks uh, for everybody, months, years. Fight the good fight, and Pride's coming up. So support your local Pride. Support your local drag queens. And don't um, hurt people because they um, ring your doorbell. Let's be kind to our neighbors, please. You do not have to answer your door if someone rings it. You could call the cops and ask them what's going on. Not that I think, I know that's opening a whole can of worms too, but you can just not open your door. Yeah. I do it all the time. I'm just saying. But anyways, but we love you guys. Hug your fur babies. 
Wash your hands. Take your vitamins. Allergies are hell right now. I probably sound much deeper because my allergies are just getting to my voice. And now I'm going to sound like Julia Fox for a little while. I'll got jobs. jobs. But, you know, it's just that time of year. But I hope you guys are doing great. Thanks for sticking by when we were off a week. We actually had a lot higher numbers for our last couple episodes. Uh, apparently, everyone liked Possession because they listened to it more often oh. than our other ones. So thanks for listening to that one because that was a fun, weird one. I think it was the tentacle porn. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we'll see you guys next week. And thank you for listening for three years. Yeah. It's been lovely. And I hope we can continue it as long as possible yeah to follow that uh take care of yourselves and each other we love you guys and we look forward to seeing you next time same spoopy time same spoopy channel yes stay stay spoopy spoopy, y'all bye bye The Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.